There's a lot of things going on that indicate that there's some potential for opportunity in the residential real estate market continuing to go forward. Like it's not dead. Like a lot of people are probably panicking, but I'm not one bit. JP Morgan Chase announced that they're going to buy a billion dollars worth of turnkey rentals starting in Atlanta, which it sounds like a lot. It's actually probably only like 3000 houses, which in the grand scheme of things isn't a ton, but that's a big player. It would be so much easier to go buy like 3000 apartment units. Mm-hmm. Right, from a management standpoint, right? If, if you're JP Morgan and you're going to go get one of the best asset managers in the world is what, you know, they, they have that momentum and you're going to go and buy, you know, say a hundred apartment buildings with, you know, 300, you know, units in each or whatever. It'd be easier than 3000 individual houses. But, um, I think part of it too is, is like this turnkey model for the residential real estate with building costs and all that stuff going down is like not a bad model for individual investors. And I think that mm-hmm. big banks, big hedges also see that. That's why they've been dumping money into single family homes. Welcome to the Collecting Keys Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Mike DeHaan and Dan Austin. From wins, losses, horror stories, and tactics for optimizing your business, Mike and Dan take a real, uncensored deep dive into the ins and outs of running a full-time real estate investment and wholesaling business. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Collecting Keys Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 60. And we are right here wrapping up Thanksgiving going headlong into the holiday season of 2022. And the market, it's funny. I feel like this is my personal sort of feeling. I feel like the, you know, things have been going down. That's been all the talk for like the last little bit. It's been a little bit rocky, but like for some reason in my gut, I feel like we're kind of on the edge of it not being just so negative anymore what's the gut feeling there is it because you gained two pounds during the holidays and you're a little bit heavier so you're just like oh, bro it is bulking. health is a little weird it is bulking season i have gained far more than two pounds my friend yeah. but that is all <laughs> all intentional you know it's, it's something i used to do when i when i competed um is i would do like a bulk every winter and i haven't done it for the last three years and i decided what the hell let's just do it this you're year gonna do it this year? Massive. is it a dirty bulk or is it like a clean bulk that's kind of a mix, if I'm being honest. <laughs> 70%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but either way, the crazy thing, I just put on poundage though, man. I'm up like 10 yeah. pounds since the beginning of October. Um, I'm trying to go the other way right now. Yeah, see, I'll do that. I'll do that after the new year. But anyway, but yeah, I don't know. Just like the way that the interest rates have gone, a lot of financial pundits are saying that they think that they're going to start dialing back a lot of the the rate increases and maybe even just keeping them level for a little while. And, you know, I've been hearing a lot of people say that their prediction is stuff will bottom out kind of in the early spring before the weather starts to get nice because then they'll start to turn interest rates around a little bit. And they mm-hmm. also to just the psychology of people, it will have been almost like a full year at that point of like things aren't 2021 right. anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're going to start to just open up to the idea of higher interest rates, right. of being able to ask for concessions without being outrageous. Because like right now the situation is, you know, a lot of sellers, they still want to pretend like it's 2021, although they're sort of becoming yeah. more rational, but then they buyers are, are buy- acting <laughs> like it's, they are a little bit, but buyers, like, YOLO. <laughs> yeah, right. But buyers are acting like it's 2010, you know, yeah, like some of the things like assholes right now. Yeah. Some of the things that people are asking for are just like outrageous, right? Mm-hmm. Because, yep. you know, all they know is that someone on the news said that, oh, the market's going down and they're like, cool. 
this is yeah. the moment that I've been saying I've been waiting for for years. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. it's not that extreme. It's not that so. extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting time because I still feel like there's some pent up like capital out in the market because like even a glim, like a glimmer at like, okay, I think inflation's still bad, but it's not as bad as last month. And then all of a sudden the market goes up. So I feel like there's still mm-hmm. like some, some momentum behind it. And how long does it take to get that out? And I, my guess would be that the Fed might cut it a little bit short. And so we'll have inflation for a little bit longer time. When I say cut it short, I think that they might, to your point, start dialing it back. But I think by next spring, it'll still be too soon. You think so? Personally. Maybe. I think inflation will still be, I think we're going to still feel it all the way through next year. Well, I That's think just the, my opinion. That's what I, I think, feel like, because there's still too much money out there right now. Yeah, I think the inflation for sure, but I do see the rates and stuff. I don't see them continuing to raise it, which is kind of the big thing that's been holding people back is it's made houses suddenly a lot less affordable than they were. I don't know. I think that they'll, you know, they're not really going to raise rates that much more and at some point too, like, because that, that's the thing too that people don't realize is that banks, when you go to get a loan, the interest rates that you're getting, it isn't directly based off of what the current government rate is. It's based the federal funds. Exactly. Rate. Well, and then it's based off of too what they're projecting the rates to do kind of over the short and like the middle term. And most banks, they, I think they said they, they project them over like seven years as that's where they try to get their profitability mm-hmm. um, maxed out with like what they're anticipating rates to be, because that's the typical length of time that most people own houses for before they sell them. So they try to squeeze as much as they can in that seven year window hold on to it for longer, that's fine. But so because of that, when there's like turbulence, that's why mortgage rates get so high, even compared to the- expect. Exactly, they don't know what to expect. So they're basically, you know, being more cautious and trying to get more revenue on their books, the banks are, because they don't know what the government's gonna do. And most banks are highly conservative. On they their are. Sheet. They do yeah. not like to take risk. Exactly, I mean, they're in the business of not losing money. That's literally what a bank's job <laughs> is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and but then like, you know, as as more news and stuff starts to come out from the feds, that's why you'll see these days where they're like, wow, interest rates was were 7.25 yesterday, and now all of a sudden they're five and a half again. And it's just because like someone in the fed somewhere said something and the banks, like all the people who are at the top making the decisions are like, cool, that alleviates our worries and they'll just drop it right back down again. Right, yeah. So yeah, they interpret it and then the, the analysts interpret it a certain way because like they're listening to everything that that Jerome Powell says. It's mm-hmm. when I took a an economics class on this, it was kind of funny how you learn how to like break down what they say and it's all an interpretation. So you could go learn it somewhere else and it'd be a totally different interpretation, but that's how the interpretation is like, well, what he didn't say or what he did say. And then whatever the masses agree on, then they make the decision. Like you're saying, the bank's like, oh, I think we're good this time. I think yeah. we're good with lower rates. We have a little bit better forecast. We're feeling a lot better. And that's why they're saying, hey, next time if they do, and they've been saying this for several months now, next time they, if they do 50 basis point uh, raise, we know we're in the clear. Mm-hmm. We're, we're already cresting it. And my, I guess my argument is, is that we may do that too soon. And I think that there's still enough capital in the market through the next six to nine months that any little blip, we're going to just start seeing things skyrocket, like as far as prices again. Yeah. I mean, you're probably not wrong. I know. It, it'll be interesting. And I mean, it makes me feel like, I guess maybe I'm leaning on this too, because I'm trying to uh, feel better about the house that we haven't been able to sell that we were, we were under contract for. We were willing to accept a pretty decent loss on it. And then, man, it's such a stupid situation with that where they, we're well, you know, we came to good terms. It was looking to move forward. They went and uh, brought out their inspector. Everything looked fine. We'd kind of done a pre-inspection, but their inspector really got into the guts of the house 
and had found from the previous trashy ass owners that they had put they uh, repaired. They repaired <laughs> the leaking roof. They quote unquote repaired the yeah. leaking roof. To be fair, we didn't we didn't find this when we were doing all of our stuff. No. But they they quote unquote repaired the leaky roof and to prevent any water from their repairs coming into the house, they had in the little nooks and crannies of like the crawl space, shoved a bunch of like dog potty pads to eat up all the moisture, <laughs> yeah. which their their inspector found Ingenious. and it's, yeah, immediately put up the red flag. They brought out a roof inspector. And of course, and there's a roof inspector that also owns a roof company. They're like, yeah, you got to replace the roof. It's going to be like 30 grand, it's like, which is yeah. completely not always, true. Always double what it's supposed to cost. Yeah. Well, at least that's what they convey anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a negotiation, but yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer because we brought our roofer out to that house when mm-hmm. we owned it this summer. And like, he's like, yeah, this roof's a little, little sketchy in some of these spots. But, and we, so we knew it, but then it snowed and it covered up the roof and, you know, we're like, well, you know, maybe we'll just, we'll just roll with it. And guess what? <laughs> well, and also <laughs> too, the, 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 our roofer said it was sketchy. He didn't say it was like terrible and like he needed to go, right. you know, no. but like it, it obviously wasn't a new roof. You know, it's been on yeah. there for a while. It's a three tab shingle roof, which you can't repair anymore because they don't sell those types of shingles, at least in our area. And so it's one of those things where you're as a, a flipper or, you know, as an investor, you're kind of caught mm-hmm. in between because it's like. Do I make a minor repair? Do I replace the whole thing? It doesn't have to be replaced. Do you just lay over top of these shingles and save a couple grand? Like there's so many decisions you have to make at that last moment when you find something like that. And for us, ultimately, it was just like, well, let's just let it ride. There's, it's not actively leaking, right? There's no water damage in the house that we found. Mm-hmm. And our contractor climbed up in the attic and um, apparently didn't do a good enough job inspecting everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So kind of stinks, but. Yeah, so we went out of contract there and then, you know, relisted and basically, you know, right now going into Christmas and chances of it selling, especially because yeah. it keeps freaking snowing, are somewhat low. Here's, so, here's the annoying thing about that. Yeah. Is it's not only going to be hard to sell, but it's hard to rent because nobody's going to mm-hmm. try to move in December, mm-hmm. you know? So we, we, either way, we're sitting for another month. So you have mm-hmm. to make the decision do we list it for rent for a month or keep it on the market? I would, I would just argue keep it on the market at least another couple, two, three weeks so that when we do go to rent it, like right after the holiday season, it's only been on the market, you know, a week mm-hmm. by the new year. And people are like, oh, it's only a week. Yeah, that makes sense, you know, because you're playing with that like time on market, both for rentals and selling a home. Yeah. The number doesn't matter to people because they can see it on Zillow now, right front and center. Yeah. Well, then also too, I mean, we have to look at, do we even necessarily want to rent it? I mean, we technically need to, to refinance right. it, but we have the ability to pay off our hard money loan in cash. So, you know, like if we do think that the market's going to be turning around in spring, I guess, which I do, I mean, maybe it's in our best interest just to park that for a couple of months and then try to list it at, you know, a higher value where we're actually going to come out profitable yep. here in the springtime. You know, it's, it's an option, you know, it's the opportunity cost of money, which is kind of interesting, but Right. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's a big reason too. I'm, I'm hoping that things turn around. Cause if we can, if, you know, we can anticipate that or we can predict that. And I mean, even then it might not, it might be to our interest just to pay it off anyway and wait and then analyze in like the springtime what we want to do. You know, even though we got to sit on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on too. Like there was a, uh, in the news over the weekend, um, I guess I should say, Becca, there's a lot of things going on that indicate that there's some potential for opportunity in the residential real estate market continuing to go forward. Like it's not dead. Like a lot of people are probably panicking, but I'm not one bit. But uh, JP Morgan Chase announced that they're going to buy a billion dollars worth of turnkey rentals starting in Atlanta, which that sounds like a lot. It's actually probably only like 3,000 houses, which in the grand scheme of things isn't a ton, but that's an, a big player at the time where. The which is funny because uh, Jamie Dimon, the 
the CEO of JP Morgan Chase is out there saying the end of the world's coming, right? Which I always say it's weird because you don't hear about J- you know Jamie Dimon until all of a sudden he's in every single news outlet. Like, why is that? Like it, that guy doesn't necessarily personally benefit from that unless he has an ego and wants to be on the news, but he's going out there saying, Hey, we could be facing one of the worst times ever, but then my company's partnering. And again, a billion's a splash in the bucket for them, but Hey, my company's partnering to spend this year a billion dollars in re- residential real estate. It's like, Hmm, why are you out there saying that the markets could potentially be really, really poor performing for a lot of people who could lose a lot of money? but I am going to start going to the residential real estate market. There's other hedgies that have been in the real estate market, as we know, buying up single family homes. Cause then I also think I'm like, why isn't he going out there? It would be so much easier to go buy like 3000 apartment units mm-hmm. right? from a management standpoint. Right? Yeah. If, if I mean, you're JP Morgan and you're going to go get one of the best asset managers in the world is what, you know, they, they have that momentum and you're going to go and buy, you know, say a hundred apartment buildings with, you know, 300, you know, units in each or whatever, it would be easier than 3000 individual houses. But I think part of it too is, is like this turnkey model for the residential real estate with building costs and all that stuff going down is like not a bad model for individual investors. And I think that mm-hmm. big banks, big hedges also see that that's why they've been dumping money into single family homes. Here's where I think we've all been kind of like have a bad taste in our mouth is we've been taking you know, these shitty houses, maybe C-class or, or B-minus houses, renovating them and burying them and turning them into great rental properties. Cool. You know, it's better than that. A, an A-class, like brand new, new build in a good neighborhood that doesn't need any maintenance and work. And you can get for essentially the same cost basis, the same tax basis, whatever you want to call it, capital basis as that house you bird. Yeah. And you're starting to see that now. Whereas like, I mean, previously the whole fixing up methodology, which I mean, still is super viable, especially if you're getting a large discount, totally. made sense was because the, the construction costs were so high and the cost, you know, and demand for new homes was so high. But as that's dropping down, you know, if you can, like you said, if you can get a house that's already done with no issues for the same basic price or even like similar price, you're going to be in a much better spot. So like, I know we talked before this, you were mentioning just down the hill from us here, so DR Horton has some new builds that they're trying to sell for like 370 or something. It's like a single family rancher, which is highly rentable, three bed, two bath, but they're offering like $40,000 towards and incentives incentives to get into the house, right? So that makes it basically brings now your basis from 375 down to 335. You know, you could rent this house for in these neighborhoods, 21 to 2,500, depending on how nice your finish is and the lot is. It's walkable sidewalks, Mm -hmm. Starbucks right there, grocery store walking distance. So it's that ideal, it's that ideal neighborhood for the young family starting out. Exactly. That that has a money, but doesn't have a house yet. Yeah. And then with that buy down, like, I mean, if they're offering you 40 grand, you're going to be able to get your interest rate from a six and a half down to like a three and a half or four, or like however low the bank will even let you go. Yeah, That's you have a huge cost. buy down. I looked at it even at a 4% rate on a note like that. If you had 25% down, like you'd be cash flowing pretty solid. And like mm-hmm. your OPEX and CAPEX, assuming your new build inspection goes well and doesn't have a bunch of weird shit that you don't find or don't notice, um, should be very low, right? Your maintenance yeah. and all that stuff. That's the nice thing about those new builds. And the thing you have to think about too is with any house, do you keep it for five years, 10 years, 30 years, right? On a new build like that, I think five to seven years is perfect. And then mm-hmm. you can flip it at flip out of it and reposition your money into something else. But um, yeah, it's starting to make more sense. The tough thing about that still is, is typically when you're buying it in this manner, 
is the out-of-pocket cost. Yep. So most of us folks run out of money pretty quickly when you're doing that if you don't have a billion dollars backing you to go and buy these houses cash, mm-hmm. right? And then refinance them or restructure your debt against them however you want because you're JP Morgan Chase, right? It's different for all of us, but there's still some options out there, right? I mean, yeah. do you do you know people, other people's money? Could you could you pull together some cash to do this and put a bunch of down payments and, and planning that you're writing this thing out for three years to figure out how you can restructure that debt and get and refinance out of it to where you own it and you pay off your investors or, or some other shape, you know, there's some other, you know, um, form of that. Yeah. Or like if you're just a newer investor who has some cash saved up, but you're just a little bit afraid to get your hands dirty right now because you're personally unsure about the market, you know, going, if you'll say a hundred grand, go and buy two of these houses, you know, you can go and start to get your feet wet and sure it might hinder you for a little bit, but it'll at least get you the basis for some mailbox money. I mean, that's very basic. I think that's how, how I you started. did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was, was going to say, I mean, that changed your trajectory at the time though. Was that an amazing decision? Was God, it like, no. Oh my God, Mike is killing it. No, not at all. And like, and that's so why that's literally how I started. If you guys haven't heard my backstories, I went and I liquidated my corporate 401k uh, after I quit my um, W2 job and bought some, uh, some new build houses and just like it pretty much ate almost all of my capital. And at the time, like in, in hindsight, they weren't great investments, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I just said like, cool, I'll jump into it. But it gave me the basis and understanding of like how to work with lenders, mm-hmm. you know, how to start getting tenants, how to start managing a rental, how to do all these sort of things. And then once I started collecting those rent checks, it gave me a little bit of a bug and encouraged me to start going to real estate meetups and all that sort of stuff. Because all of a sudden too, I felt, that my imposter syndrome was now gone when I went to these meetups because I was like, hey, yeah, I own two rental properties. You know, I'm not just there like trying to learn and talk about it. So, um, you know, in hindsight, that was a great decision because A, it was cool. They were just down the road from your house that you're currently living so you could manage them. Then you were open to new things because you got the, uh, at least one of them, I can't remember if you did both, but the state started renting from you with the developmentally disabled, Mm -hmm. which I just could not believe when you did that. And they, you know, you made a killing on that first little deal with them and they paid for like a brand new fence because they needed a fence and you didn't have a fence, Mm -hmm. right? Because most new build houses in, in this area don't come with a fence. So you got a new fence and all that sort of stuff. Some really cool things. But then fast forward several years and those houses were just worth so much more Yeah, in a desirable neighborhood, of course, one of the most desirable areas in Spokane. And so they went up mm-hmm. in value with everything with, you know, all, all, what is all boats rise with the tide, but yours rose a little bit higher because you were in a better area. Um, and then you were able to take that money, refinance that and keep the momentum going and buy not just two, but multiple after that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a key too, is if you are going to explore assets like this, make sure that they are in the primo area because yeah. I mean, even around here, you see people that are doing new builds in like the shitty parts of town. Don't buy those. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. like, spend the money and do it in yeah. an A-class area because you're in a good neighborhood. Yeah. Bad, bad part of town with a nice house, still bad part of town is going to affect. Absolutely. I, I, I was driving through Hilliard, which uh, for our listeners, that's one of the, it's not that bad of an area comparatively speaking to other parts of the country. But in Spokane, if you say that people are like, Ooh, God, and there's way worse parts of town. If you ask me than that, that area, mm-hmm. but I was like driving through it uh, over the holiday weekend and, uh, there were some like super, super nice houses in that area. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oof, still want to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like- even, even seeing some of the flips and stuff that were done out there, it's funny because like the joke for the past couple of years, like, man, they really over flipped that house in Hilliard. Yeah. You know, because they would, they, they would buy like the worst house and they would make it so nice and everything. But all of a sudden, when you have 
like a couple hundred people, a couple hundred house flip that do that. Do that. You're not over flipping it anymore because all the houses are like that now. Yeah, it starts gentrifying at some yeah. point, right? Yeah, exactly. We're so, still a slow city to gentrify, even though we're trying. It's yeah, it's getting there. There's, there's some areas that you're just like, dang it. <laughs> I know, I know. But I mean, like at, at the same time, like you said, we don't really have any bad areas in town. Like not really. Nothing, we have areas that are like crazy and eh, like aren't that awesome. Have major petty crime. We don't have like ghettos here. No, no, we're pretty, we're pretty like even keel, right? We don't have a majorly awesome, crazy downtown. We also don't have crazy, nasty ghettos. Exactly. Yeah. So could be worse. Cool. Anyways, so going into the end of the year here, we have a couple of announcements that I want to talk about regarding collecting keys Ooh, and kind of the direction of the show and the direction of our instant investor program. So first off, uh, time of this episode coming out. This will be November 30th when this is released. Um, so starting next week, the first week of December, we are going to be shifting our format to being a three-episode-a-week format. So as you guys have known, if you've been listening for a while, we've had our Wednesday episodes that we've alternated kind of between the Mike and Dan show and our interviews, and then we've had our Friday Focus episodes. So starting next week, we are going to have our interviews on Mondays, Every Wednesday is going to be the Mike and Dan show, which I'm sure a lot of you will be pleased about because those are typically our best performing shows anyway. Mm-hmm. I guess people just like to hear us talk about bullshit. I don't know why. Um, That's but cool. uh, We can do that. I can do more of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, so Mondays will be interviews with key people that we find. And we have some really killer ones coming up too that I'm super, super excited yeah, about. Yeah, me too. We have some great interviews. Yep. yep. So Wednesdays will be Mike and Dan show. And then Fridays will continue to be the Friday focus episodes. And if you guys ever have any topics that you want us to talk about on those two, please shoot us a DM on Instagram. Um, I'm at Mike underscore invest. Dan's at investor man, Dan. And there's one of the weekly struggles that we have, honestly, is coming up with topics. And usually it's kind of like what we have in our mind at the time or something that we're working on the business. But if you guys have stuff that you want us to discuss, like we would love to do a show about that. So yeah. Another thing I've been thinking about, like if somebody could figure out how to get me an audio machine so I can push like sound effects (laughs) <laughs> I love that. That's like, a, like something with our new platform. I'd love to have, you know, like a, bow, 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 you know, something oh, really cool, like a soundboard. Yeah. Yeah. Like sound, a, is that what it's called? Soundboard. I want some sound so I can add some sound effects to anything Mike says that's really stupid or good. Yeah. Well, I, I feel, I feel like to, to start something would be good is you should learn how to do the, uh, the Friday focuses with your proper mic because the producers keep complaining that it's always with your, your laptop mic. So that's, I don't do I set the settings <laughs> to show my mic. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, the work, the work spot on this platform, but the one that we record those shows on, it always, the guy's always like, yeah, I had to, I, Get rid of a bunch of like background noise because it sounded like a laptop mic. I'm like, I don't know. Ugh, I was like, yeah. Dan had nine minutes today and he made an eight and a half minute episode. So <laughs> exactly. he was <laughs> so true. <laughs> I try. I try, guys. I really do. Yeah. So anyway, so that'll start going coming forward here next week and going into the future that way. So you can look forward to more content from us in that route. Then online, we are having a complete overhaul. We've had our developer and our copywriter and all these other people working pretty extensively for the last two months building out our new platform. So cool. It's so cool. Yeah, I'm super pumped about it. So the collectingkeyspodcast.com is shifting over just to a new website. And along with that, we are going to be adding a bunch of free educational content for you guys up there. So basically, you know, all of the different educational portions that we talk about on the Mike and Dan shows. If there's ever any of those that you want to re-listen to, or there is specific categories of stuff that you want to talk about, like rental property, those sort of things, 
Those are all being cut down, edited, and optimized, and will be available for you for free at the new Collecting Keys. I guess it will just be collectingkeyspodcast.com slash education, and that'll all be available for you up there for better viewing. Also, with the Instant Investor Program, which is our group mastermind program, we have a handful of changes coming up. So I'll just run through them really quickly, a couple of different things. So the first and foremost, we are creating a beginner program, which we'll be releasing at the beginning of the year. So you cannot sign up for it yet, but it is the Instant Investor Jumpstart Program. This has been highly demanded by a lot of people that have inquired about the Instant Investor Program. I'm excited about that one. Something we've talked about for a long time too. Yeah, we've talked about it for a long time. It's something that, you know, I guess we didn't necessarily have on the radar when we first started this, but we've had so many people reach out that are like, I want to do what you're doing. I'm just honestly not that educated in real estate principles in general yet. What should I do? And we said to them, like, honestly, the main program probably isn't right for you yet because we don't really teach a lot of that in there, but we created this program. So you can go and you can pre-order it. It is uh, going to be listing for $199 when it goes live at the beginning of the year. If you go and you pre-order it, you'll be able to get it for $99 if you get it over the next little bit. And it is going to be, I'm not sure how many hours of video yet because we still have yet to record it. That's why you have to pre-order it. Yes, you have to pre-order it. But it is going to be soup to nuts, real estate principles, how to get started investing, you know, general sort of ways to figure out what proper investing methodology is right for you. And all of it with sort of our viewpoint and our spin on like how we would do it if we were starting over from the beginner and stuff that we wish we had known. But it will be realistically probably five to eight hours worth of material to get you a complete kickstart into real estate and to get you ready to join the main instant investor program, which is now being changed to the instant investor seven figure investor program. This is the program that we've been running for the last little bit. You've heard our ads and all that sort of stuff about, but the seven figure investor program is now, I guess, to be more transparent with it is for people that are looking to become serious investors, make real legitimate money, make, you know, build a real portfolio and want to take their investing very seriously. And it is our complete step-by-step guide and blueprint for how we've built our business, how we manage our business. It is our mastermind community. It includes coaching directly from Dan and myself. And now if you are interested in that, you know, I sign up for that instead of having to, you know, us pushing you to like the lead page where you have to go and book a call and after the whole sales thing, blah, blah, blah. You can now sign up for that instantly and you can jump right in without having to go through the whole process. So if you go to instinvestorprogram.com slash store, you can see the Jumpstart Program and Seven Figure Investor Program. And the Seven Figure Investor Program is listed now. It is a $1,000 entry fee one time. And for everyone that signs up between now and the end of the year, so basically between December 1st, when this goes live and January 1st, it is, instead of being $500 a month, it is $250 a month for life. So basically, yeah, it's lifetime membership for half the price Right. Once you, once you sign up and that is only the soundboard. I need, I need the sound of money (laughs) kind of, you know, jingling around or what, what is, what is the, that's the one right there. (laughs) What the hell is Yes. That one. It's from a, what was that show? That was a comedy central show. They used to do that. They would like say something that was sick and they would go, what's it called? Workaholics. That was a show. I love that show. show. (laughs) But yeah, so $1,000 entry fee plus 250 a month for life to join the community. And that 250 a month is only until January 1st. After that is increasing to $500 per month. And that will not be changing for the foreseeable future. So if you have an interest, go and sign up for that. If you do have any questions too, 
you can um, go and uh, you know hit us up on Instagram. We're happy to set up a time to chat with you as well. And then on top of that, we actually have, you know, if there wasn't enough for you, we have a couple more programs. There's more. There's Wait, more. There's more. <laughs> we have a couple more programs that are also by popular demand, which are a pro service, which basically is if you want to be part of the seven-figure instant investor program, but you are a busy professional and you don't actually want to do a lot of the back-end work or build all the systems, we will do that for you. And that's an extra cost, but that sort of that cost is dependent on sort of your situation and what you're uh, looking to do or sort of like where you're at. So you got, you have to inquire with us on that one. And then we are actively seeking new entrance into our partnership program, which we have touched on, I think, a little bit loosely over the last little bit. But we have a series of partners that we work with in different markets. And we are actively looking to grow into different markets with different key partners. So if you are someone that you think you'd be good partnership material for us, you want to work with us to find deals, in your market using our methods, our sales staff, we'll run the sales staff, we'll do everything. You just have to basically be willing to be a key buyer or help us find key buyers. Then you can check out our partnership program as well. So all that can be found at, will be either instantinvestorprogram.com slash store or collectingkeyspodcast.com slash store. They'll both take you to the same page and uh, you can go from there. So complete overhaul of everything. So whether you're new and you want the jumpstart program, you're ready to get serious and you want to, Start learning from us, but you don't want to do the sales pitch. You can go sign up for the seven-figure investor program. And then our two primo programs are available on there as well. And then if you're like, fuck you guys, I don't want to give you guys any money. You can also go check out our free education, <laughs> educational material on wow. there for free. So it's actually, it's like a proper platform. It's kind of cool. It it's, it's done very nicely. Like something that we can be proud of. Like you could go there and actually it's, it's just kind of full. Like here, start here, go here. Like you said, if you want to be a partner with us, we have that program, which we've been doing that for a while, actually. We're just now actually like advertising it because we are looking to expand that quite a bit. And so it's been a really fun, the partnership has been really fun for us too, because we get to meet other investors in other markets and that's been really cool. But it's just like a cool, like that's not where we, I don't think when we started out, we aim to get to where we're at now with the whole platform, but it's like a proper, I keep saying this, but it's a proper platform where you can kind of self-serve. It's really cool. It is. Yeah. And I will say if any of you guys have been following us listening along for a while, it is us graduating from kind of ragtag me putting things together alongside putting together, <laughs> like running our real estate investing business to now we have a team of professionals that have helped build this out it is put together. It is clear and concise, easy to use and ready for you know, people to start jumping in. So there's enough demand and we give the people what the people want. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That actually has been like the one big, big thing of feedback is people that have joined in is like the onboarding and stuff was kind of weird or like it wasn't totally clear about all those sort of things. But, you know, you kind of have to take mass, massive action and figure stuff out as you go. So that's kind of what we've done. So anyways, guys, so go and check out the um, new collecting keys podcast.com. I keep saying the new, that's not in it. Just collecting Don't, keys. Yeah. Yeah. Just collecting keys podcast.com to see how it's all new laid out. Collecting keys podcast.com slash store to see all of our new offerings. And then two, if you guys wanted just like a general free offering, if you go to collecting keys podcast.com, you can get our free five-step guide to start generating off-market leads, which will give you the super basic gist as well. Sort of how we get going. So anyways, tons of stuff, all new platform, new podcast schedule, whole bunch of new stuff going into the end of the year and to kick off 2023. So lots of great things going on. I love it. Awesome. We had an educational topic to talk about, but I think we'll just save it for recording this next week because I still think it'll be super applicable. And uh, yeah, I mean, aside from that, maybe this is just where we cut it, Dan. I think we're in a good spot. 
Are we in a good spot? Thanks. So. Feel good. Well, Feels good to me. Um, yeah, let's get the soundboard hooked up and uh, go to innocentinvestorprogram.com. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So awesome, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. We greatly appreciate you all that have come along with us on this journey so far, and hopefully we'll continue to do so in the future. Go and check out collectingkeyspodcast.com to sort of see all the new offerings that we are releasing. And definitely make sure you subscribe so you do not miss out on all of the new episodes um, that we will have. I guess the new episode format they're going to have coming out starting next week, three episodes a week, interviews Monday, Mike and Anshul Wednesday, and Friday folks on Friday. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening, guys. And talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out at collectingkeyspodcast.com for tips and guides on starting your own real estate investment and wholesaling business.